boom, and there it is. We told you all day long it would be live for the game, live with Curtis from Alberta. And if you just missed it, you probably did. Sometimes we get people that come in the back door, Clark. I don't know how it happens. But we were actually all just live with Curtis from Alberta for a minute. Uh, he swung what back in. What a gem. Yeah. What do you say? Nine Molsons deep. Loving the night. <laughs> Absolutely when awesome. you got a we fridge like him. that, it's hard not to, right? That's it, a- man. It's right beside you. But the Leafs, ladies and gentlemen, pick yeah. up the win. Let's do the dangle. Leafs win right there. They win it 5-2. I love it. Pumped up about it. But before we get into the game that was, guys, I want to ask you about today's roster moves and things that went on with the Maple Leafs. Obviously, Justin Hall not playing. Wayne Simmons sent down. Really just a paper transaction in my eyes because he'll still be practicing with the Leafs. He won't be down with the Marlies, I don't think, anyway. And Manny can add some clarity to that because maybe he does see him around with the Marlies. I know that earlier in the year, Clark, we talked about this with Dylan. Some teams did actually cry to the NHL about Wayne Simmons being sent down but staying and practicing and performing with the Maple Leafs during their regular things. People said it was unfair, it shouldn't happen. The league really didn't give a shit, really. Didn't say anything about it. But it's just so funny how petty other teams can be when Toronto has this advantage where their farm team is in their city. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of intermingling and they say they share the same practice facility. So really, how do you say a guy's not where he should be? But um, I want to ask you about Wayne Simmons. I mean, we know our guy, T.O. Sports fan, Div, shout out Div, loves the Wayne train. Uh, Manny, I know you're on board with him as well. We love him, but I just don't think he's for this roster. Clark, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we had this conversation in the past on the show, and, and it's not anything to do with not liking Wayne Simmons. I mean, he's one of the best probably human beings in the NHL, let alone on the Maple Leafs. Um, and I think he's one of those guys who I think you love having around. Uh, I'm not mad that this year they finally were able to open up those extra three roster spots so they actually could have a couple extra bodies around. Yep. And Wayne Simmons didn't feel too much like an anchor this season uh, in terms of, you know, taking up a spot in the lineup every night um, in past years. You know, so there was some nights where you wish maybe he had the night off. Um, but this year it's it's been – I think it's been really nice for the team to have him there all the time. Uh, and him getting the odd game here and there. Uh, you saw him against Boston. He fought Nick Foligno. You saw him uh, the other day. He got another fight. Now, that that second fight, I feel like, was a lot more impactful than the Nick Foligno yeah. fight. If we're talking about impacts of fights, which, you know, come playoff time, how often do you really honestly see a fight? But um, I think with Wayne Simmons, the biggest thing is the flexibility with his $900,000 contract, being able to send it down if they need to at a moment's notice at the trade deadline and this allows them to do that for the next 30 days. They can send them down anytime. They yep. can accrue cap space. They can send them down. If they make a trade for roster spot, they can send them down to get $900,000 off the books. Like I was kind of saying earlier. So, um, you know, Wayne Simmons has played, what has he played this year out of what are they played? 50 some games. He's played maybe 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that range, maybe 20. Um, but he, he's definitely one of those wily vets, hardworking guys, locker room guys that you love having around. Uh, and he just, he, he simply just doesn't really fit into this roster as well as he could have a couple years ago. 
um, or as well as he first did when he arrived, maybe at, on the on the team at the first at the first part. So, uh, you know, at this this sending him down on waivers thing, I'm not too worried about it. I, and the fact that he didn't get claimed and he's still around, I think it's great for the team to have him uh, because he's not hurting the team being around. That's for sure. Manny, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. Just like Clark said, that it comes down to flexibility, especially having the benefit of having the Marlies right exactly just down the road. So you can send yeah. them down exactly whenever you want, especially with the $900,000 benefit or 900K benefit on the cap space. So it does help that you can bring them in and out. And especially with the depth that right now that we have with the bottom six, that we can rest players and switch them in and out. And same thing with the back end then on the blue line as well. So like and same that that rotates the point to Justin Hall and Connor Timmins. You know, like I'm a big fan of Connor Timmins since uh, he's come in. I think he's played 18 games and he's got 12 points, uh, 11 assists on the season, one on the power play. So I think he's a big impact, and I want to see him consistently as well. I can agree with that. Now, one player I want to know what you guys think of here is Kerfoot. Goes up to the second line tonight. Obviously, there's been some pop and circumstance in his game the past couple. He's been speedy, like we need him to be. Um, driving the net more. Dylan loves to say he gets knocked around. He looks like he's staying on his skates a bit more. Um, not noticing him falling over. Not that I ever really did. But uh, he really seems to be wanting to stick with this team. And I'll throw the interesting quote out from Sheldon Keefe. Don't give me a reason to pull you out of the lineup. So Sheldon Keefe... Moves Kerfoot up, gives him an opportunity. What do we think of Kerf here? Manny, you go first. Ker- so Kerfoot, you know, it's interesting with him because, like, I, I, I've i always been a Kerfoot fan since he's come into, come into the team and in the roster. And you hear you hear people say or, like, you hear on Twitter and see all the time the analytics or even the analysts are saying that he's incons- inconsistent. But I think with Kerfo, it's the versatility that he brings to the roster. That he can play on the power play. He can play on the penalty kill. He's got chemistry with Camp in the bottom six. He's got chemistry with Marner Tavares in the top six. So I think I just with Kerfo, I like what he brings to the table. I definitely see him or want to see him being in the or part of the team or part of the roster going moving forward to the postseason. I just, I just like how many situations he can come in handy for for the Leafs. He can play in that top six, bottom six, and play as that uh, secondary offensive player or just as that uh, two-way forward on that bottom six side, right? So, yeah. Clark Penn, I know Kerfoot is a, is a lightning rod for most Maple Leaf fans. Um, they either love him or they just outright hate the guy. Um, and again, I think it's attached to that 3.5 number to his name. If it was lower, I don't think anybody would be barking about Kerfoot at all. But for you, Kerfoot, second line. And then I'll throw the the caveat in there. Is he here after trade deadline? Yeah, I think before I go into anything, I honestly believe, especially with everything Manny just laid out, that I, I really do think that this guy means a lot to this roster. And I honestly think that if, if Kyle Dubas has any say, which I think he does, um, I, I really think he's going to try to keep him on the roster uh, just because I think they, they really value what he does. Um, and the fact that they can throw him everywhere. Uh, he was a fourth liner a couple days ago. Uh, he was, he's was he been a third liner most of the season. Now they throw him up in the second line. I honestly thought he had a great game tonight specifically. Mm-hmm. I really liked him out there. He was flying all over the place. Him and Marner were getting set up. He scored a goal. I'm going to say that he scored a goal. I don't care if it was offside, 
Uh, that was a beautiful goal. I'm so it mad. Was. I that <laughs> back. My God. Oh my God. Uh, tonight's game was like eight, two, but it ended up being five, two. So, um, but yeah, I, I really like what he did. And, and the fact that they can just like, Hey, you know what? Go, go play second line. And he played as well as he did tonight. I really think he had a really impactful game. Um, and I, I said to you, James, as soon as, as soon as I saw this, I texted you and I said that this is showcasing him for a trade because, um, as much as I think that they'll do everything in their power to keep him, at the end of the day, his contract is the most impactful contract for a trade purpose that there is on this mm-hmm. roster. Um, there isn't any other mid-level contracts. There just isn't unless you're trading TJ Brody and they're not doing that. Um, so like there, he's just, he's just that guy. And I think it's a little bit unfortunate because if he was getting paid a million bucks or if he was getting paid what Wayne Simmons gets paid 900,000, this guy would be one of the most valuable players on this roster uh, because of his versatility, but because he makes a mid-level contract, uh, everyone wants him out the door because that means we get Timo Meyer, or that means we get Dylan Larkin or Ryan O'Reilly or somebody because mm-hmm. that's just how the money works right now in the NHL. Um, uh, so that's that's the way I look at it. I, however, like I said, uh, if they keep him, if they find a way to keep him and, and maneuver the cap some other way, um, I just I think he's just a valuable player for the team, especially – the way he played tonight, I think it showcases. And, and you know, we, we talk about um, getting a top six forward. I mean, he looked great tonight. I, I'm not saying that lightly. Like, I really think he had a great game. And on top of that, what this allowed them to do was move Yarncroke down to the third line. Uh, and I think he looked really good there, too. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of the really stupid pass in the first goal for Chicago, I don't really get what he was trying to do there. Um, I clearly, he didn't see the guy coming in the zone, uh, which I think was, was it Sam Lafferty? Yeah. Uh, who ended Lafferty, up getting the goal. <laughs> uh, funny, 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 uh, how that works. Uh, but anyways, I, outside of that one small blunder, uh, I just thought that third line looked really good again tonight. And I think it was, uh, over time, if that's going to be the line, I think it's going to be more effective than maybe some other iterations of the camp line, just because of how good Cali Arncroke is. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talk a lot about going out and paying a big money price for Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer and all those things, and that'd be fun. That'd be a, a blast. Uh, but at the end of the day, they looked great tonight. I know it's Chicago. Um, so I guess temper my expectations and temper my thoughts, perceptions a little bit just because it is Chicago at the end of the day. But, I, uh, you know, if they keep playing like that uh, or at least put the effort out there like they got tonight um, – you know, maybe maybe the priorities change a little bit. And I don't know, James, maybe we start seeing different talks going forward. Yeah, I like that <laughs> broke in the bottom six. I'll give you that. I'll look at Kerfoot and I say this. No, I, but I'll say one more thing, just if I can add to that, just really quick, because I know where your mind's at. You know, that you want that top six guy. You want that extra scoring forward. But if this allows them to maybe prioritize a really solid fourth-line center like a Nick Pugstad, mm-hmm. James, then all of a sudden your your bottom six is getting much stronger and you can show that your top six can hang maybe without paying the massive price to go get a Timo Meyer. And you can still bring in the big body forward to be on your bottom six, your fourth line, which is strengthens your team overall. I just think overall, when it comes to the game one of the playoffs, my biggest priority, I think for me, it's not my biggest priority, but one of my priorities at this point is making sure that, and no offense to Pontus Holmberg, but making sure that Pontus Holmberg is not on the game one playoff roster. If he's the 13th forward, great. He's an awesome player. He's played great all season long. But I think you need a more experienced veteran guy in that in that position, not a raw rookie 
who's in his first year of North American hockey. Again, he's played great. He's filled in great in his role this season. Uh, but I think if you get maybe a Nick Bugstad or an Olachari James, I'm just trying to say names that you really like uh, to get your mind going here. Uh, but if you add one of those guys, I just think it'd be a little bit more effective and maybe a, a little cheaper. Uh, and then all of a sudden your team's maybe more effective overall on a nightly basis. But that's that's where I'm at right now. It's, that's kind of where my head's spinning with the, all the gears and action going on with trade talk. Listen, the only fly I see in your ointment is when one of the big six went down, which was Austin Matthews most recently, it exposed the top six. It really showed you mm-hmm. that you may have to run one heavy line of Tavares, Marner, Nylander because mm-hmm. having them separate wasn't really flowing. You know, Kerfoot with Yarn Croak and Nylander really didn't have the symmetry you wanted. Um, I know everybody's excited by the Matthew Nye's comments today about, you know, stripping the puck or running a guy through the glass. He wants to be physical. He wants to body guys. That's what he wants to do. Uh, that's what he wants to bring. So, I mean, that got everybody all excited, right? You know, because of maybe what he can do. Who knows? Who knows, though? Maybe he does come in and he sets the world on fire like a Zach Hyman-esque kind of guy and it's just a physical workhorse. Who knows? We don't know. But I look at it like this and I say your top six yeah. were exposed when Matthews went down. So maybe you need to have something in there as an insurance policy now, maybe it's what you add in that bottom six that can move up the lineup. Maybe you go and find a guy that can play top six minutes in a pinch, a la Kerfoot. I get that. But I just I get real nervous if something happens and then you're down because we saw what happened when Tavares went out. It just didn't mix the way that it should mix. Mm-hmm. So I love, listen, you know I beat the drum. Sam Lafferty. Max Domi's now on my radar. Nola Chari, Nick Bukestad, go down the defensive <laughs> side of things. Gavrikov, McCabe, Mayfield. I like those names. They all wouldn't be. Here's the thing. Apparently, David Pagnotta tonight tweeted that it's only a third-round pick plus for Luke Shen. If I'm the Maple Leafs, I say, hello, hey, we have Ottawa's third-round pick. It's high in the draft because Ottawa's at the bottom. If you want a third-round pick, you're getting no higher than this one probably. Here you go. And do you need a prospect or a guy to go with it? No problem. Take uh, Bobby McMahon. Take one of these guys that we brought up, Joey Anderson. Take somebody as a a warm body. I know no one wants to take those guys, Clark, but maybe Vancouver would Mm -hmm. to get that high third pick. And then you got Luke Shen. Yeah, but – I guess the argument for me when it comes to that is like, who's Luke Shen taking out of the lineup? We already have a hard enough time getting Connor Timmons in the lineup. Who's who's Luke Shen going to take out of the lineup? And I know he's good. I know he's been hitting a lot of guys and stuff this year uh, and he's cheap and he's effective and yeah, I'll take him for a Stanley cup run. I mean, you always need more defensemen. Um, I just think like, okay, you're going out and making this trade. You're spending an asset. I don't care how high it is. A third round pick is no, is no slouch of an asset. Um, so all of a sudden you're spending an asset to get a guy who's going to be fighting for time every night. And I, th- I think I said this to you a long time ago, James, I think we've had this conversation several times, so you know where my head's at here, but I think if you're getting a defenseman, it's got to be somebody who's going to take someone out of the lineup. No doubt. Yeah. Like it's, it's got to be a no doubter. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And that's, that's the only thing that I, I would consider with Luke Shen. And again, 
if you're going to get him and it's it's really that cheap, maybe that's worth it for a playoff run type of guy because he can just step in uh, and I wouldn't be too worried about him. Uh, but I, I just think overall, if they're going to go get a defenseman, and I think they still might, I, I'm, I think you swing for the fence on the defense um, a little, if you had to, more than the offense, because I think you can find you can find someone who can play really well on in your system on at forward, uh, but on defense, it's a lot harder. We all know how hard it is to find a solid defenseman. So I still think, I, I know I've, I've swayed my way towards wanting that big forward because of all this Patrick Kane talk and everyone's talking about Timo Meyer and I totally get it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I always bring myself back to if they're going to spend big, I still think if they want a defenseman, it's got to they got to spend big on the defenseman over anybody else. But that, it's just a tough situation. It, it, obviously, we don't know what's out there. We don't know the market. Uh, officially, we don't know the market. We hear things. Obviously, we read things on Twitter. But um, Kyle Dubas is going to have to make the best choice at the end of the day, and we'll find out. <laughs> All right, here, before Manny jumps in and takes a lead on this one here, uh, Riley Brody, Lily Geo, Sandine Shen. Doesn't sound bad. No, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But You have every defensive pairing with a guy who's an insulator, a physical insulator, really, in, in Brody, Geo, and Shen, and then theoretically a guy that can move the puck and skate in Riley, Lily, and Sandine. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Then one of those guys get hurt, you can move in Sandine. Or if Shen gets hurt or Geo gets hurt, then you have Jordy Ben that can move in. Or you want to cut a little deeper, Victor Mette is another player that can still play that's not playing either. So you do have fill-in guys. But, I mean, I like that top six. Shen adds the element of block shots and hitting, clear the front of your net. What did I tell you last year at the playoffs or the trade deadline? You need a minute-munching, shot-blocking defenseman. Chen would fit that bill. And then you move Justin Hall and his $2 million. Because then you wouldn't, you're wouldn't you not going to have him sitting at $2 million on your bench. Mm-hmm. So you move his money. He's not resigning with the Leafs next year. No. He's a right-handed shot defenseman. Teams are going to go after him like gangbusters. He's probably going to get almost $4 million a year. Branson money. It's just going to happen. It is. Tell yeah. me your Branson's worth. But I, I think when, in the same. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think at the same breath, if you if you look at it this way, then I would consider Riley Brody, Chikrin, Liljegren, uh, Giordano, and Hall uh, a better top six than the one you just put out. No offense to your top six, but no, I, I, I honestly think if you spend bigger and you push Giordano down to a third-pair role, all of a sudden he's your warrior that you can put out in any situation. Uh, and we've seen Justin Hall play big minutes, and I'm going to continue to to pipe his, to pump his tires as much as possible <laughs> because Listen, I'm a Justin Hall guy. He's um, a good shot blocker, but, greatest but shot suppression. I, I, you I get out still of think – totally. I just – I think the, the hard part with my top six is that Sandine's probably out the door in that trade. I think that's probably one thing that might be holding it up is that if the Leafs are going to send uh, a roster guy uh, in that deal, it's it's probably a Sandine type. And there's not many Sandine types, so it's him. <laughs> uh, but that that's kind of where I'm, my head's at with that is Arizona's going to have a, a big asking price. And 
I personally believe that three years of Jacob Chikrin at, at the age of 24 is better than two years of Rasmus Sandin at the age of 22 or whatever he is uh, right now, uh, regardless of the, the money that's involved. And I don't think Chikrin's out unreasonably priced. So that's where my head's at. I just think if you're going to add somebody rather than adding a third pair, I think you got plenty of third pair options that are pretty solid already. Yep. Go get a top yeah. four, uh, if, even if it costs more. Even if it costs more, I think you do it. The the only issue that I take with Chikrin is the Leafs need to replace Muzzin's physicality. And does Chikrin offer any of that, really, physically-wise? Yes, he's not soft, I'll give him that, but he's not going out there and laying the boom. He's good offensively, for sure, putting up points like in bunches since he came back. But is he a guy that will bring that element you need in the playoffs? That's the only issue I go to with Chikrin. And you already know my theory. I think Jake Muzzin's back in the playoffs anyway. Randy, see, what do you think? Well, well see, I, I was just going to pair defenseman James. Why, why go get Luke Shen when you got Jake Muzzin coming back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Imagine Shen and Muzzin on that bottom pair. Let's go. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I was just going to join in on the fact about Chikrin is the one thing that I don't like is Yes, I agree with uh, Clark there that he's going to add to that top four, but with the price tag that comes in with Chikrin, he's never played 82 games in the in in the entire like his career. That's what scares me about Chikrin is like who knows who's to say you know he comes in it doesn't happen another incident would what happened with Nick Foligno where he gets injured where we just paid that big price tag or something and it just doesn't pan out. But for me, that's what scares me about Jacob Chikrin. So. Um, on the other hand, with Luke Shen, now if you're saying that price tag is that low, that does become very enticing. I've come in your chat and uh, on TikTok Live a bunch of times and said, you know, that he would replace that physical element that the Leafs need. And but I, I, again, I, I I don't have to I have to agree with Clark there too that you have so many bottom pairing guys that you need to go and acquire that top pairing guy as well. But at the same time, I don't know if that's Chikrin or it's someone else, maybe Gavrikov from Columbus, because he would provide that as well. So I don't know if you look at those two options. Yeah. Totally. I mean, Gavrikov is someone that is interesting. Rachel Dory, when she was on with us, she said that he was someone that she wouldn't go after just because of his underlying numbers. And he's getting a lot of attention because of the physical stuff that he does but everything else isn't really that great. But again, do you bring him to the Leaf system and he fits the Leaf system and you work with him? Like I you know, Connor Timmons. True. Yeah. It, it, it could be. Yeah. One of those situations where you bring him in and you maybe send him to the Marlies for a couple of games, see how he does and then kind of bring him up to speed on the system. And then you bring him up and similar to how it did with Alex, Alex Gelchenik and Connor Timmons, like you said, this season too. So that's another option of doing it. Um, I'm I'm personally going to throw in another name in the mix that I, I'm personally very curious about because the National Predators earlier on in the season brought his name up for trade rumors, Matthias Eckholm. Because at 32 years of age, yes, I know he's a little bit on the older side, but if they're willing to retain any portion of his cap space like they have said that they'd be willing to, that and and let's say his price tag comes down that that becomes a very promising opinion or option to me personally with with him 
I like Matias at home. I do. I'm on board I do with that. Not like <laughs> six million dollars for the next four years. Yeah. And then you have to ask the Nashville Predators, what is your window? Mm-hmm. What where are you looking to be? Because if you're saying, hey, you got to retain in all four of those years, well, they probably want to be competitive within two. Yep. So they're probably saying, we'll retain on two, then it's up to you to figure it out. And we know the Leafs thought that they had to cap figured out with the way they signed their contracts mm-hmm. before the pandemic. We all know how that's played out. So now you see Kyle Dubas, and we don't even know if he's going to be back, but being super cautious with what he does with cap moves. But if you are to think the cap's supposed to go up, probably by what in say three years, seven to nine million dollar range, probably would be fair to say. Then maybe you say, okay, yeah, the last two years of Ekholm's deal, we're fine paying the full six point two five. But and then you get to the other side of it, are you getting full bore Matthias Ekholm for yeah. those last two years, right? Yeah. That becomes the other part of it with the age curve. Is he a Giordano or is he a Mike Commissaric? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I bring up Kami because of Curtis's live tonight. Everybody had something Commissaric tonight, but you look at those things and you get a little nervous. That's why, Clark, if I'm going for that swing, I'm going with Chikrin at that point because he's younger, cost controlled, the cap hits lower. And one thing that is a very underlying thing that people don't remember about the Leafs a lot is we do have a great medical staff. A lot of players who came through here, the Spetsas, the Ennises, Felino even, all said how much they felt better because of the special things the Leafs have on the medical side of things that a lot of teams don't have the funds to use or have at their disposal. So maybe you keep Chikrin healthy. Maybe load management becomes a thing with him as well. Okay, you don't practice on this day or you don't do a pregame skate or whatever it is. You don't do these things to keep them healthy. But the Leafs seem to know these things pretty well. But that is one thing I would say. Maybe an injured player coming here isn't it injured. It hasn't happened with Murray, but it has happened with others. Yeah, and I think with Chikrin too, the nice part about him compared to Felino is you might actually have a couple of years with them to implement some of those health things, whereas with Felino, he was gone after six games. Yay. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was not good. No, and I think that's one thing, uh, you know, Ekholm's a great, great um, example of this, Manny, but I, I really do think that, uh, I, I mean, Kyle Dubas kind of really heavily hinted at it in his press conference the other day after the All-Star game is that, you know, he's really not liking the rental market this year. He doesn't want to get mm-hmm. a rental. I think, I think he's basically telling us all that he's looking for a guy with term that can fit into this team for a while. And the uh, Ekholm would be awesome. Uh, I really do like it. Talk about a, a Muzzin replacement. There's your beard. You got the beard replaced right there with Ekholm. So there, that's all that matters, really. Uh, but I think with Chikrin, you get three years, like including this one. Um, and, you know, the, the name Travis Konechny always comes to mind because he's mm-hmm. got three or three years or so after this one. You know, guys like that, I just really think that that's who Kyle's going after. And I think when it comes to term, uh, in today's NHL, when you can fit a guy with cap certainty into your roster um, at a decently reasonable price, I think that's when you pay the – I would pay more for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And if some of these teams, at, with the way the market is, if it's as uh, much of a buyer's market as we're hearing, and they're going to retain any money on that, that's just gold. 
and, and that's gold. Like that's that's huge. If you can get anybody retained a little bit, even, and they they're a four point six million dollar player in Chikrin's case, and they become a three million dollar player, or if it's five point five in Konechny's case, and he becomes a four point five million dollar player for as long as they're under contract, that's massive. So uh, I, I'm really really interested to see the wizardry of Kyle Dubas and the staff that they have, how they're able to finesse this market the way that it is. And um, I don't know how many moves they're going to pull off, but I really feel like this year we're going to have a look at this move that they do make or one or two moves. And we're going to look back a couple of years from now and be like, I'm so glad that he pulled the trigger. I'm really hoping that's the case. I just feel like this is that year. This is this year, something like that's going to happen. Whereas in past years, you know, the Felino regret still lingers uh over this team even though i still think at the time that was the right move but that's where that's kind of what i'm thinking no i fully agree with you like felino was the right move at the time everybody was excited about it It was a guy that we needed again a guy that can play in your bottom six and your top six that was that versatility for him of what he could bring um i look at this and i say hmm the leafs can make some fun moves i think it was you who brought up the nyquist thing where you go and get him put them on LTIR, bring them back for the playoffs. But then you're working with $10 million in LTIR space. Then if you wanted to throw Matt Murray on there, if you're fully expecting Wall or Shalgren to kind of pick up the ball and run with it, then maybe you're looking at $15 plus million in LTIR space where you can go and dabble in the market, have some fun, and not yeah. really need to worry about anything. Um, then you really start to say, okay, we can go get X, Y, and Z. And, uh, okay, well, we'll spend this asset and get this one over here because then then you're bulking up your bottom six. Maybe you add Chikrin. Maybe it just starts to juggle. But one thing I want to say about Patrick Kane, when he's talked about the New York Rangers and now the Toronto Maple Leafs, those are the two teams apparently rumored that he only wants to go to. So it's the Giroux effect all over again where Toronto now says, hey, if you want to move this guy for any assets, here's our price, and that's all we're going. That's what Florida did to Philly. This is what we're willing to give you. This is all it's going to be. So take it or leave it. So maybe Toronto gets themselves into that ballpark where they're like, it's this, this, and this. This is the offer. 50% retained. Hey, other team, you're taking another 50%. Here's what we're offering you. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, Kyle Dibbs will just say, we'll leave it where it is. Yeah, Kerfoot's just as good. (laughs) Well, I look at Patty Kane and I say, okay, your hip is not 100%. Are we getting the full board Patrick Kane? That's the problem. If we're getting vintage Patrick Kane, sign me up 10 days oh, out sure. of the week. Well, but there's a great video, not- the Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman. I, I threw a stitch on it on TikTok today. Um, so if you guys have a chance, um, go check out that video. Mine's not as good as theirs, but go check out theirs for sure. And it's essentially Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick saying, yeah, you know, I think his heart was pretty set on going to the Rangers, and now um, is is his heart as set on maybe going to the to the Maple Leafs because he has the leverage, he has the say, he has the no move clause, so he essentially gets to say yes or no. And uh, Elliot Friedman made the interesting point that I don't know if it's necessarily if Patrick Kane's heart is in it, is Toronto's heart in yeah. it? Is he as good of a fit with them the way they like to play as everyone thinks he is? And it's like. It sounds super weird for me to say this because it's freaking Patrick Kane. Uh, and he's a Hall of Famer. Why wouldn't he fit on Toronto's roster? But Sheldon Keefe, for the last how many years that Sheldon Keefe has been the head coach, likes fast, four-checking teams with a defensive-minded bottom six 
and a really skillful top six. And if Patrick Kane's going to come in uh, and disrupt that in any way, and maybe not fit as good as we all think he is, maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs just say, yeah, you know what? We're not that interested in him. Uh, and like you said, James, maybe they'll put, oh, this is our price. And honestly, if you're not going to meet it, we'll move on. Uh, and I think no, not worried about that's, it. that's a great place to be in, honestly. If that, if I'm Kyle Dubas, it's a great place to be. Uh, so we'll see. And I, we all know his relationship with the Blackhawks. It dates back to last year when the, the trade got balked, um, basically with the, the leak of what it was. Um, now, I think they've made the Mrazic trade since. Uh, and that worked out great yeah. tonight. Yeah. The Mrazic trade worked out great tonight. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't think that that relationship is, like, damaged at all. But I'd be very curious to know on a bigger trade uh, to the level of a Patrick Kane, how last year's incident, we'll call it, comes into play in those conversations at all, if at all. Uh, but I'd be curious. I'm, I think Chicago and Toronto just feel like such a good match. Whether it's Kane or somebody else, I feel like there's such a good match this year. So uh, we'll find out soon, I'm sure. No, there definitely will be something there. Um, I want to ask, so you look at this roster and you say, okay, we're talking about top six potential. We're talking about bottom six potential. Um, the goaltending, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. If it is Matt Murray, by the way, we don't know. Um, there could be some cap shenanigans and next thing you know, he is on LTIR. Do you look at a goaltender? Do you look at a Vamelka? Do you look at different pieces out there? Maybe you go make a trade for Nick Bukestad, set a chicken you throw in the goaltender to help offset what you have. I'm not worried about it personally. I think Sonar can do his job just fine. I think whoever's backing him up for now will be fine. That would give you a fully healthy, fully rested Murray for the playoffs as yep. well. So I think that's a fine tandem. But there are a lot of people out there worried about the goaltending. Uh, Manny, I'll start with you. Do you think the Leafs need to address anything goaltending-wise? See, for me right now, no. At the moment, right now, Matt Murray is expected to be back shortly. Um, like you said, Shalgren and Petrozelli. Shalgren and uh, – sorry, not Petrozelli. Um, Wall have been doing fine backing up when they've been coming up. So I think, I think for now – Goaltending is not something they look at at the moment, but should that should Matt Murray, you know, let's say not be practicing coming closer? Yeah, I think you keep it as an option, but at the moment, I think goaltending is not something that Dubas is going to be specifically focusing at. Clark, what do you think? Is there any concern goaltending wise? I'm not. I'm. I'm going to say no for me. But even if there isn't a concern, we've seen in the past that. You know, they went out and threw a third-round pick to get David Riddick in the past. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me, really, honestly, to if they did that again. Even David Riddick again. Just just to bring in a guy who has seen NHL time rather than maybe have to rely on uh, a young Joseph Wall and, and risk, you know, wrecking his confidence with a maybe a rough play, playoff outing or something along those lines. Um, or a Shelgren, for example. Uh and you probably also, you know, the Marlies are coming along, and Manny, you can probably attest to that a little bit more than I can. Um, but you probably want Wall and Shelgren getting playoff time with the Marlies, I would think. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I would, I would be very curious to know how the how the office feels about the current setup or the current tandem and the current situation with the health and everything. Um, and the fact, also, I said this earlier in the show, but the fact that they do have the current 
cap situation that they are able to have some extra bodies around. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they had a third goalie because of that and just kind of had a an older guy around just to hang out and be there just in case. Um, not that he would have a whole lot of playing time. He probably wouldn't play at all, uh, depending on who's healthy and who's not. But uh, I could see it happening for sure. He, just even a, a veteran guy like a – I laugh because I was thinking about Michael Hutchison for some reason. But like somebody like that. <laughs> uh, you're not Michael play- Haney? You're not going to yeah, – well, yeah, honestly, you're not going to bring in a veteran, like an all-star. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't the guy that you're going to bring in that you're expecting to play much. So you're not going to go out and spend the price that it might take to get a Vimelka, for example, probably James. Like, no offense to what you said earlier. Like, if you bring in a Vimelka, I think you have serious concern about Matt Murray. Um, but if you want to bring in a veteran guy who is like a David Riddick level of guy, that's who you're getting. You're not you're not getting anything more than that. You're not getting anything less than that because what's the point? Just use one of your young guys. And that's yeah. the one nice part is that they finally have young guys. They had they didn't have young guys for years mm-hmm. um, that that were capable. So they finally have that. Uh, so maybe they don't feel the nerve or the the nervousness that they need to do that anymore because they actually have a stable of decent young goalies that they can maybe rely on if they need to. Let me ask you guys this question here. A lot of teams seem to do their business at certain points. The Leafs, who was believed at one point with Kyle Dubas, liked to get his business out of the way pretty early, get players in, get them acclimated, get them adjusted to the system, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, last year with Gio and Blackwell, it was a little later. Um, what do you think the perfect thing is here for a team? We're, we're what, a two and a half weeks almost now away from trade deadline time, and – I want to see players brought into this roster earlier. I want them to get acclimated, get comfortable, get rolling. But sometimes, some people say that if you bring in guys a little bit later, it's also a benefit too, because there's not all that jitter leading up to the playoff or to the uh, the trade deadline, where they're in the room with a lot of guys that might be moving out the door as trade deadline comes or the roster shuffle. If you get a guy on deadline day, the roster is set. You know who is there with you, who isn't there, and you know what's going forward on that day. So, what are you? What boat are you guys in? I'm in the boat. Adam sooner, get him in there, get him playing. Manny, what do you think? Uh, see, I, for me, I, I'm 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 a mix of both. It depends on the situation for me. Right now, I, I think it's actually perfect that they're waiting it out and testing out with rotation rotational of uh, the lineup right now they're switching out their back end switching out their forwards so i think it's perfect the way they're doing it right now similar to like let's say go back a year ago where you said blackwell and giordano same thing last year where they were trying to figure out what pieces they need to really focus on what pieces they need to acquire so i think right now adding them later is fine especially with let's say chikrin gabrikov being sat, sat out as well so Teams are trying to see what they can get, maybe trying to drive up the price by saying like, hey, you know, we're going to sift these guys out. So if you want to get them, you know, you kind of see what I mean there. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think I think waiting it out is the best option right now. Um, yeah. Clark, you what do you think, man? Is it the earlier approach or the deadline calming approach? I think it's both. Like, I think it, it all depends on the market. And obviously Kyle Dubas is the one who's having those conversations on a daily basis. But I think if 
if the price feels right to you and the time is now, go do it. Um, but at the other hand, the, sometimes the longer you wait, I know sometimes the price might go up. I think that's the gamble you take. But sometimes the price goes down because, uh, you know, maybe a couple other dominoes fall and then all of a sudden less teams are in on certain pl said player. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, you know what? We'll take whatever you got. Uh, so maybe that's – so I think it just depends – on your team needs. I, I don't think it's a, a cut or dry answer necessarily. Do it one way or the other. Depends mm -hmm. on your current team needs as, a, as an organization, what you have available for trade, what the market's saying, uh, and, you know, who's hot at the moment that is, you know, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, like Manny said, a great example, Manny, of Chikrin sitting. I think that is exactly what Arizona is doing, saying, all right, here he is, trade-related reasons. We're telling that everybody that that's what's going on. So shoot us your best offer now. And I think they're 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 using the media to their advantage there uh, as a team by saying, okay, every team now knows that, that he's sitting out until he is traded. Um, how long is that cat and mouse game, that game of chicken, going to go on? Yeah. You can't have Jacob Chikrin sitting out for three weeks. Um, so, you know, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, to see if that actually happens right away or if we're going to be sitting here on March 2nd or 3rd and he's still just sitting out because they Could said... Could you imagine him different. and Gavrikov just sitting there having a coffee? <laughs> yeah. <waiting. laughs> Somebody put out a, a tweet, I think it was like Nick Alberga, and he's like, the year is 2048 and Jacob Chikrin's banner is being raised to the rafters of the Arizona Coyotes, never having played another game with them, but they never <laughs> traded him, so he's just sitting there. Um so that was, uh, yeah, I just, I think that's a really good strategy, honestly. And the fact that we've never really seen this trade related reasons thing come mm -hmm. out until this year, I, I think that's a, a product of where the salary cap is not having enough flexibility across the league to make a deal that you want to really make. And Arizona just saying, you know what, let's get some, let's throw the net out a little bit more, a little bit deeper, a little bit farther and see who comes in um, with this. Cause it blew up. Everybody's talking about it now. So Yep. mission accomplished for Arizona. Yeah. Well, I think it always did happen in some way or the other when it came to guys being held out. It was just never called trade-related reasons. It was just a healthy scratch. You know, and they really wouldn't go elaborate too much of mm -hmm. why. And everybody kind of deduced the fact that, oh, he's out of the lineup because he's going to get traded or there's a trade on the way. I mean, we've also seen guys leave mid-game because yeah. they've gotten traded. So things happen all of the time. I want to get your guys' opinion here tonight. Um, a lot of smoke around a few names. So we'll end it with this. Um, Timo Meyer, where is he going? That seems to be a very hot name right now. Uh, Manny, you first. Timo Meyer is an interesting one. There's definitely a lot of smoke around him for sure. Um, I would love to see him with us. But again, it just depends on that price tag. And I know Dubis has already said that we're not willing to risk the future and that first round pick, which I'm completely okay with. So I, I, I don't think it'll be us as, and I, I think it could be Colorado, but I know they're going to be looking for a centerman, uh, especially for that center, uh, the second line, especially uh, because like new hook, I don't think will be the, the man to do it there. I don't think it'll be Colorado, but Edmonton could be an interesting one because I know they're looking to add some offense. Pugliarvi's name is coming up, going out of there. They're looking for Carlson out of there. So I, I don't know. There's there's rumbling out of Edmonton, but Meyer's an interesting one. I, I, I'm not too sure where he ends up, but I think I think it'll go right down the wire with him. 
Clarky, where do you see him? I think New Jersey. They're they're the one, and they already have a Swiss Swiss player on their team. I think he's a great fit there, and I think New Jersey, with the way that they've built their team up with so many high draft picks recently, I think they have, you know, an Alex Holtz, for example, who mm. could be packaged up, or uh, you know, a Sharon Govich or somebody along those lines. I think they have a lot of young assets that I don't. You know, especially with the way that they're performing this year, they're definitely overachieving. I think Timo Meyer to New Jersey right now makes a ton of sense. He's a restricted free agent. They can work on a long-term extension with him, and I think he would fit really well in their top six. And, and I mean, a top six, they already have a pretty good one, and that you add him in there. Uh, an interesting one, I'm pretty sure. Manny, who did the Marlies play today? It was the Comets, Utica Comets today. And 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 who was in the lineup for the Utica Comets that uh, is typically in the NHL? Ah, uh, who am I looking at? Um, I, I'm not going to testing you. You might former, be testing former you, Maple Leaf. Yeah, you might be testing me because I, I Andres, like. Andres, oh, Andreas Janssen. Yes, yes, Andreas yeah, yeah. Janssen. Okay. So yeah, you know he's a contract. He's a contract that they probably want to get rid of if he's in the in the minors right now. Uh, you add a, a young uh, asset, and then all of a sudden, the money makes sense, the package makes sense, and Timo Meyer is a devil. That's what I think might happen. I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah. See, it's, yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't even realize about Andres Johnson because, like, I don't usually, I'm not by the ice, but like, I'm, I'm around the arena. But yeah, it's funny. Even yeah. I, I noticed the name, and like, when they were doing the warm ups, I'm like, oh, no way. Andres Johnson on the ice. But yeah, it's, it's funny you brought that up. Yeah. There's a there's a three point four million dollar contract just waiting to be traded. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the Carolina Hurricanes. That's fair too. Mm-hmm. That's where he's going. Timo yeah. Meyer will go there. That'll be their big swing, their big ad. Their defense is good. Their goaltending is good. You add him, that's just another quote the "Oh my God" song because that's wicked. You know. Now that you mention it, I, I am actually going to throw a name in there, and it's going to be in the Western Western Conference. But the only thing is, they're 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 similar to like in the Western Conference. But with Mark Stone going out on Vegas, do you think they look at adding Timo Meyer, especially with that cap space on LTIR? That's that's another interesting name name for me to keep an eye on. Vegas gets everybody. It's getting annoying. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the fun. yeah. I think Vegas will get some other guy, but we'll wait for your list. Let's keep going on the list. <laughs> All right. So the, the next name has got a lot of smoke and fire. Mr. Chikrin. Obviously, we talked about him at nauseum for the Leafs. Um, realistically, where does he end up? Um, for me, I say Vegas. That's the Vegas move for me. Okay. I'm going to say the Kings. I think the Kings have been loading up on prospects. They have mm-hmm. the uh, guys that they can move money in and out a little bit here and there. Uh, and just with kind of where their timeline is right now, I think they need to make a big swing to shore up that defensive group. Uh, they just signed Mikey Anderson to a long-term deal today. They yeah. have Matt Roy. They have Drew Doughty. Chickren would fit really nicely in that group of four. Um, and they have uh, – I've said this a lot of times. If you look at their prospect list, it's crazy the names that they have on there that they've been – accumulating over the last like five years in the draft um they could send out like three or four prospects and still have eight or nine solid prospects that any team would wish to have right now so i think that they'd be they'd be a really solid fit in my eyes 
Manny, Chikrin, where? I I have to I have to agree with Clark on that one with the Kings because I think they have a lot of prospects like like Clark said Matt Roy they just signed Mikey Anderson there there's a name with Sean Walker has come up a little bit Sean Dursey's name has come up a little bit so I do think that Kings are loaded with prospects and definitely some boatload of picks and even like the second and third round this year that it's supposed to be a deep draft so yeah definitely Kings can do some damage for for Jacob Chikrin. All right, another player being held out for trade-related reasons, Mr. Gavrikov. I want to say that this guy is actually going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. I got a weird feeling about that one. Manny, what say you about Gavrikov landing spot? Uh, yeah, um, that one, I'm going to go with you on that one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Toronto Maple Leafs on that because the history with Columbus is there for trading and – I think it's going to be that domino effect. I think once that first trade happens, it's going to, it's going to lead to other trades happening. Um, I, I do think once that, I, and, and that with that domino effect, once that trade happens, I think you'll see the price maybe shift a little bit for the other trades that are, or players that are being held out. So I think Gavrikov makes a lot of sense for the Leafs. Clarky, don't say the team. I think you're going to say the, the problem – I don't know who you think I'm going to say. Uh, the problem with Gavrikov is the, the price point that everybody put out there was a first, a second, and a third, and that scares the crap out of me for the price that, that it is. Um, now, if Gavrikov comes to the Maple Leafs, I know earlier we were talking about his underlying numbers. The problem with that is that, yes, his underlying numbers, I, 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 I do believe in advanced analytics and all those things, and there's a lot of different metrics out there these days that you can – take a look at and use for data. Uh, but you're not going to really find a physical defenseman who has great underlying numbers. That's just not how it usually goes. Uh, and I know everybody wants this perfect defenseman wrapped up in a bow that has great underlying numbers. He's six foot four, is physical, can skate and move the puck and maybe play power play and have a booming shot. That just that Those guys don't exist. Shea Weber is only yeah. one guy and he's retired. So uh, there's just there isn't that many guys out there, and I think if you're looking for an element that Gavrikov brings, I think he's got it. Uh, he's been, you know, the anchor for Team Russia in the past and at the Olympics and stuff like that. This guy can do that. Um, and if you put Boone Jenner with him in a trade, then all of a sudden we're talking about a really good trade. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. If Figured that retain, was coming somewhere in there. You retain half on Gavrikov and you get Boone Jenner with him, and all of a sudden we're laughing. Uh, but no, if it's not the Leafs, I'm going to say the New York Rangers are going to get them. And the reason I say the Rangers uh, is because they have a really interesting blue line. If you go look at their roster, uh, it's Truba, it's Fox. Obviously, everybody knows those names. But outside of those two guys, um, you know, they went out and got Mikula for in the in the Tarasenko trade. And mm-hmm. it's a bunch of young guys outside of that. And I really think that adding another veteran um, like like a Gavrikov might be a really good idea for them. So I'm going to say maybe the Rangers aren't quite done yet and they go get uh, Panarin and Tarasenko's Russian buddy and bring in Gavrikov to New York. All right, all right, all right. The last name that's got a lot of smoke lately, his heart was broken on Broadway, but maybe he goes somewhere else. Patty Kane, Clark. Where does Patrick Kane end up? Obviously, it seems like he is going to move. Where does he play come the deadline? Vegas. There's my Vegas move for you. 
Uh, I think that he his number fits really well with the Mark Stone injury going out there. He replaces his position. He plays right wing. You put Patrick Kane with Jack Eichel, and all of a sudden, uh, Patrick Kane's numbers go up. Jack Eichel gets back to his production he had earlier in the year, and Vegas gets their big-name ticket that they love getting. So I think Patrick Kane to Vegas, to me, makes too much sense right now. Uh, if it's not Again, if it's not Toronto. <laughs> Manny? You agreeing or where is he going? Uh, yeah, the Vegas is a strong contender again, just because of that whole Mark Stone injury. Um, Carolina could also be another option in there because they have that space to make that damage and make that move too. So it, it, anywhere that can, and even you can, you know, New Jersey's probably going to look for a left wing, but again, I would also toss their name in there because they're looking for an offensive jump. So any team look, any of those three looking for an offensive jump to put, put up a top six, I think Patrick Kane, they're, they're a strong contender for that. All right. All right. We'll see all the moves starting to shake out very soon. Hopefully we start to get some, some logs on the fire to talk about actual meat on the bone, things that make things happen. Clarky, what do you got? I got, I got one more, one more name. We didn't say this name. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly. And uh, I think Ryan O'Reilly to his original team, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, I heard, I heard an interesting (coughs) one about that because then Manny brought it up earlier. They're looking for a center uh, to kind of really fill in what Nazem Kadri was. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're getting Landeskog back apparently decently soon. Uh, And I think if you bring Ryan O'Reilly back home to the Colorado Avalanche where it all started for him, uh, I think that's like the perfect fit for Colorado. (laughs) I, and they have young guys to send. They could send. They could send St. Louis some a couple of young guys. I think they have enough that they could do it. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more there for sure. Um, and I, I, again, in that you could even talk about a package deal for Colorado because I mean, uh, I know St. Louis has also talked about moving guys like Barbashev who have had a sixty point season to try and get a little bit younger on their on their side. So I. You could maybe see a package deal for Colorado trying to beef up that uh, bottom six with maybe Nicholas Obey-Kubel leaving and Ryan O'Reilly going back. So, yeah, you could see that. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't bring up Ryan O'Reilly because I have a feeling he's going to the Boston Bruins. Uh, uh, get him in the West. No, go West. Yes, go yeah, West I know five of those West, but <laughs> I think O'Reilly goes East. And uh, he ends up saddling up for the Bruins. Oh, that's a great reference. Thank you for bringing up that reference, James. You just made my night. <laughs> On that great note, movie. I made Clark night, so we will wrap it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in every Wednesday and Sunday because this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. 